Welcome to Witches Being Witches. Spiritual besties chatting all things stars, skin, science, sex, and self-love. I'm Tara, Ayurvedic consultant, cosmic witch, and Vedic astrologer. And I'm Emily, qualified naturopath, holistic skin witch, and founder of natural skin and lifestyle brand, The Purist Collection. Witches Being Witches is for the woman who is ready to reclaim her power, dares to take up space, and expresses herself fully. A witch is a woman who embraces nature, its cycles, and knows that she is magic. Welcome, Welcome fellow witch. witch. We are so happy you are here. Welcome to episode 41, The Science of Sleep. Yeah, I'm excited to delve into sleep and why we need it and why we, some of us struggle to sleep and what we can do about it. Mm, I'm really interested to hear this and because... In my mum's journey, uh, she really, really uh, suffered with mm. insomnia. Mm. And I think it is one of those things that I'm sure we'll go into today, but the body so needs yeah. sleep to like reset yeah. and um, have, yeah. And I just saw like her frustrations. She was doing everything that she could. This is before I found Ayurveda, mm. but, and I feel like this topic is so important for so many people because uh, even a lot of my clients, they, they really do struggle with this. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah. Me too. Like when I was um, doing my notes and preparing my research and everything for it, I kind of, um, I think part of me, because I see it so often, and I think because I've struggled with my sleep historically too, I think it's such a common issue that it's, um, I think I maybe like oversimplified it in my mind a little bit and just hadn't really thought about the value of, yeah, Mm. sharing these things that now seem so common Mm. knowledge or so simple. And a lot of what I'm going to share is fairly straightforward and simple and easy to implement in people's lives. But I think it's just that reminder to actually do it. (laughs) Yeah. And also then understanding the importance of why we need to do Mm. it in the first place and building that awareness. Because it's the motivation to really get on top of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And doing the things that we know we need to be doing, but just getting reminded of that as well. Totally. And then that empowerment comes from that. Yeah. Totally. Um, Before we start though, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? So, uh, what have I been doing? Yeah. What have you been struggling with? What have has been your biggest win or wins from the last couple of weeks? You know what? I'm going to go on the lower lights first because it's yeah. the first thing that's it's come up in start. my mind. <laughs> Get the worst bit out of the way first. <laughs> you know what? Around It was it was around the Cancerian full moon, and, mm. which is all about nourishment and nurturing and... I remember messaging you, um, and I, I was just at my end in the fact that, and I really wanted to voice note you so I could articulate it. And what it was is I was investing so much energy into other people, which is, you know, like like I'm very service orientated. That's what I want to be doing. But I had spread myself so thin. I was like looking after events. I was doing things for my husband and my family and, Mm. you know, and like on top of that with clients. And I was just, 
I just was like, when am I going to get my nourishment? Like yeah. why I like, I am always responsible for everything yeah. and everyone. Like when can someone be take care of me? Yeah. Take yeah. care of me. And yeah. I really had that moment and I realized obviously that was something that I wasn't giving myself and I was giving yes. to everyone else. And so I just really had to understand and like, have that awareness around what I was doing and coming back to that underlining, well, I need to make everything great for everyone else so they don't have to worry, so they can have a good time. So like Tara will just sort it out because she just does. Um, And so I've really been working on now on not doing that, mm. on not um, automatically putting my hand up, mm. not automatically sorting the situation out. Mm. And that has really allowed me since that little moment. Um, <laughs> Tara swore, by the way, in her voice message. And that happens so rarely that when it happens, it's like, oh, okay, this is quite serious. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never swear. So I'm like, yeah, that was a moment for me. Um, but one that was needed because Mm. I just needed to reflect on yeah what I was doing and and how I can change that behavior so yeah that was good timely lesson for me to be more nourishing and nurturing um towards myself I think that's a real challenge I think a lot of people can relate to and I think especially as women like even not as service providers like Mm. there has always been that assumed role that it's a woman's job Mm. it's a wife's job it's a woman's job to take care of everything yes but that's kind of not the world that we're living in anymore so how do we get that balance Mm. and I think yeah it's a common challenge and I think it's one that it's not simple to overcome like I think that's going to be something that you're going to have to be conscious of definitely because I've noticed that I've set up situations in my life where Mm. I've like that's the prerequisite that that's what I will do and how I will act and yeah yeah, so it just all of that came together at one point in time (laughs) and I could really see how I have um yeah created this um yeah, like a recipe for burnout and I yeah. I have suffered from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really brought that back to my awareness. So that was yeah. definitely my low light, swearing on voice <laughs> in the boxes with M and her really holding space for me, which I was so grateful for. That's what we do. Um, and then a highlight for me, I have really been loving my soul sessions that I do looking at – um, natal charts because there's been a change M, in the way that those sessions flow now mm. like before um, it just used to be me very much like um, telling my client all about you know the their themselves and about mm. their past lives and integration exercises but um, the ones that I've been having recently have been really interactive Mm. and I've been going really deep Mm. and understanding their level, uh, their life on such a deep level. And it's just been able to allow me to unlock so much more of the chart as we're going on through our session. And I've just, it's just been really filling my cup Mm. to really, um, yeah, help in that way Mm. to shine light, illuminate, and Mm. then give some practical ways that they can, yeah, get to where they want to go and in ways that they haven't thought about before. Yeah. 
So that's been, yeah. And how mutually beneficial is that? Like you're getting so much enjoyment then out of the job Mm. that you're doing and the service that you're providing, but these people are getting so much more benefit out of their session with you as well. If they're really engaged and interacting with you in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the, yeah. So I don't know what that shift has been, but I have been, I have been wanting to call in more like depth. Um, so yeah, I think that I've just been projecting that and the the people that have been coming to work with me are, um, yeah, just really wanting to do the soul work and um, have that vulnerability. So, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. And what about you, Em? What's your highlight? Well, I guess, um, I guess my kind of highlight and low light are kind of weaved in together this fortnight and I'm – Yeah, basically I'm working on a new way of working with my clients. So actually kind of interesting that we've got this parallel at the moment with, I guess, yeah, what we're sharing. Mm. Um, I have, yeah, been practicing as a naturopath. This is my fifth year practicing as a naturopath this year, Mm. which is really cool. Um, And I love what I do, but I have kind of realized that there are potentially other ways that I can better service my clients um, and maybe in a slightly different format. And I think it's been something that's kind of been on my radar for a while, um, but I haven't, yeah, really, I guess, taken action on how to start putting that together. But I have in the last kind of couple of months, I've started playing around with things and kind of gotten clarity around what it is that I want to do and more so how I can facilitate that and put it together. Um, So working on, yeah, this new offering, new way of working with naturopathy clients um, that I can service them better, especially the clients who feel like they need more support and more accountability, which I feel is a a really big piece Mm. there. Mm. Um, Yeah, working on that. And also I'm working on a new kind of website and branding for my naturopathy brand Mm. and and my personal brand there. Um, So that's been really exciting because I love design and playing with design and aesthetics and uh, yeah, as you know, Mm. we both love that. Um, But yeah, it's also been a challenge because I do tend to love the aesthetics and the big ideas and then actually putting the action plan and the steps in place is something that I do tend to struggle more with. Mm. So trying to navigate taking this amazing idea and this passion that I have for it and I feel really inspired and motivated by it and then trying to translate that into actually doing it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because especially if it's um, a creative project, there's no end date. So it's like you have to give yourself that end date otherwise – Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And, you know, I don't know whether I guess you can relate and maybe some of our listeners can relate to when you're working for yourself, sometimes that motivation to get something done um, is lower Mm. than, yeah, if you were doing it for someone else. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Just because there's not that pressure of disappointing someone, I think. Yeah, but people need your work, Em, and it's a disservice to not yeah. be out there. So I, I really want you to, yeah, it's an opportunity for you to really go uh, like on a mm. deeper level with your yeah. clients as well and, yeah. and get those, um, you know, amazing transformations that you, yeah. you know, 
you yeah. have experience um, with. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, as I was kind of um, saying that then about, you know, it's easier when you're doing something for someone else because you don't want to disappoint them. But it's like, but I'm I'm self-sabotaging. I'm letting myself yes. down if I'm not doing it. Like, how interesting is that? Yes. Yeah. So, yes, that's kind of in my awareness now. Mm. <laughs> Something for me to keep working away on. So hopefully I'll have some exciting announcements very soon. Mm, very yeah. cool. Um, any obsessions? Anything you're obsessing over lately? Oh, my obsessions. Can I share mine? Yes. I'm so excited by mine. As we all know, I love the beach. Yes. This is not a foreign or new topic. <laughs> Um, as we also may know, if you've listened to certain episodes where I've mentioned it, I am an endometriosis gal. Um, unfortunately that for me means that I have not been able to ever wear tampons comfortably, Mm. which really sucks because when you have your period and you really want to go to the beach, um, there are obviously hurdles involved there if you can't use tampons. So (laughs) I had kind of been thinking about it for a while and I was really intrigued by how on earth they worked, but Modi Body, the um, Australian brand of period underwear, brought out bathers, bather bottoms, bikini bottoms that have this period underwear technology in them. And I was like, but how does that work? Because if you're absorbing your bleed, like how are you not also absorbing the ocean? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. How does this work? Um, I don't know still how it works, to be honest with you, but it works. Um, I treated myself to a pair in the Boxing Day sales uh, at the end of last year. Now, there's also a bit of a side story here. My shipping, thanks to good old Australia Post, (laughs) went missing. And I was devastated because then I missed, like, my next period. I wasn't able to wear them. And I was so heartbroken and I was so excited <laughs> to try them. Um, but I contacted Moddy Body and they were so amazing and so kind and so helpful. And I finally got my period bathers and I got to wear them with my last period. And what a game changer. Wow, Em. I didn't even yeah. know there was I know. Uh, that was a thing. I know. And I have worn period underwear before, but I'd actually not um, bought any from Moddy Body. And I love them like they are you would not tell at all that they were period undies whereas I've worn period undies in the past that definitely feel a bit Mm nappy-esque which is not great or very empowering um but theirs is just amazing um I treated myself to a pair of their seamless ones as well and it's just like oh my god this is so cool um But yeah, their bathers are awesome. Like the fit and the style, they're so comfortable, really flattering. Um, I love them. Mm. So good. So that's been an absolute game changer. So I just had to share it because I'm stoked. (laughs) That is such a good share. Yeah. Hi, fellow witch. We are thrilled to let you know that Modi Body have very kindly offered all of the listeners of Witches Being Witches 10% off of their order with the code give me a 10. That is give me a one zero for 10% off. Enjoy. Coming back to my obsession, mm. I have to say the thing that <laughs> it sounds really boring compared to yours. <laughs> But it's just an Ayurvedic herb that I've just started using Ooh. in my hair regime. Ooh. It's called Bringarajua. Okay. Have you heard of that? No. And Do you know the Western name? Oh, I don't. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, cool. But 
you know how there's all these talk about um, hair oils and stuff yes, like that? Yes, yes, yes. I feel like this is one of those kept secrets. Yeah. I think that it actually translates to the the herb of the hair or something like Ooh, that. So cool. yeah, so I've just been doing like the the skull oiling and things like yeah, that just before my yeah. wash. Like yeah. I'm just elevating yeah. a couple of my routines, but that is something that I have been enjoying. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Shall we delve into sleep? Yes, I'm excited for this. As always, I'm going to get a little bit sciencey and also a little bit woo-woo in this episode. Um, so bear with me because I promise it's all all important and yeah, I wanted to include it all. Ultimately, when it comes to sleep, there is literally no denying our biology and that is that our bodies need to be able to sleep in order to repair um, and support all of the functions that our body needs to do on a regular basis every single day. Now, quality sleep, therefore, and having enough of it is going to be critical to life, to living as a human. It's how we repair the cells making up every single part of our body, how we restore our energy and how we release our important hormones as well. The key though is what I said before in that we need quality sleep to be able to do this. So really important that, yeah, we're getting enough sleep and good quality sleep. Having really good quality restorative sleep helps to improve our mood and enhance our resilience, both emotional and physical resilience. So really being able to cope with life and its stresses, Um, being able to increase our physical endurance. It helps to ensure that we are making enough important hormones, but also that we're keeping them in balance. Um, Helps to support our brain, both in being able to store new information and also clear out any toxins from our brain. Sleep is the way that we do that. Um, Really important for growing new tissue, for being able to repair muscles, for making sure that our heart stays really nice and healthy and that we're circulating enough blood and oxygen and all of the goodness. Um, Making sure that we're supporting our immune system, our digestive system and our endocrine system. So making sure that we're, again, looking after all of those hormones Um, and keeping our skin really clear and healthy and youthful as well. That's all of the things that restorative sleep brings us. Mm -hmm. Now, the average human adult needs around seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And that sleep really ideally needs to be quality sleep. Um, So for some of us who feel like we get seven to nine hours, but we're still waking up feeling like we are not restored, we might need to have a look at how well we're actually sleeping because in order to be able to sleep well or more in in terms of being able to make sure yeah that in sleeping well we are able to then detoxify and heal and replenish and restore ourselves well ultimately like Mm. the two need to come together there now uh, we cycle through four stages of sleep when we are sleeping. So each of these stages lasts between 70 to 120 minutes. And we go through each of them about four to five times during that seven to nine hour sleep window. Within those stages, um, they're made up of two major sleep phases, both our non-REM or rapid eye movement and then our REM or rapid eye movement sleep. 
So there are three non-REM sleep stages and they are one, when we very first fall asleep. So it's quite light sleep. It's usually only about seven minutes. Um, then our second and third, second is when we're having quite light sleep just before we hit that deep sleep point. And then that third being the deep sleep and that deep restorative sleep, that third non-REM stage is when we heal and when we repair. And that's what we need in order to, to be able to feel refreshed the next day. Um, and then finally, we've got that single REM rapid eye movement stage and that's where we dream Mm. um and the reason that happens is because that is when our brain is processing information Mm. um, and being able to store it and and store new things that we've learned and process all of the things that our brain is processing and I keep mentioning the brain because it is so important that is really where the science of sleep begins in our brain Our brain is responsible for managing our homeostatic um, processes. So homeostasis is that ability of the body to keep itself in balance for survival and for health. Um, So our homeostatic processes by managed by our brain um, manage that need for sleep essentially Um, and then our brain is also managing our wake sleep cycle which is also known as our circadian rhythm or that cyclical nature to want and need sleep ultimately now i want to talk about neurotransmitters here our neurotransmitters are our brain's chemical messengers that are helping to manage how the rest of the body is working So we have different types of neurotransmitters. We've got excitatory, which are energizing, motivating neurochemicals or neurotransmitters that help us perform through the day. Um, Or we have our inhibitory um, neurotransmitters, which are the calming and relaxing and sleep-inducing ones. Now, at night, our levels of excitatory neurotransmitters like um, epinephrine or adrenaline and norepinephrine, they should be dropping off. And our inhibitory um, neurotransmitters like our serotonin, our GABA, taurine, glycine, these should all start to take over the show so that we're able to sleep. The inhibitory neurotransmitters taking over the show literally helps our body to prepare for rest. Um, And it also helps us to produce melatonin, which is our sleep hormone. And we make that from serotonin, um, which, as I mentioned, is one of those major inhibitory neurotransmitters. So when I say that our neurotransmitters, our excitatory neurotransmitters should drop, um, If our body is achieving um, homeostasis, that self-regulation or balancing, um, that's what should be happening. So we need to keep in mind that if it's not, okay, maybe something else is imbalanced here. Now, in imbalanced sleep or disturbed sleep, we tend to see lower levels of serotonin. We see higher levels of those excitatory neurotransmitters. Um, And we also see hormonal imbalances then start to take place as well. So the most common is that cortisol levels are too high for us to be able to get quality sleep. Um, Less common is that there's a melatonin deficiency. Um, This is one of my like personal (laughs) passion subjects, melatonin, because Straight away, when people say that they're struggling with sleep, their initial reaction is to take melatonin. Yes. I don't know if you've ever taken it. No. People who do quite often complain that either it's not done anything Mm. um, and there's a lot of issue around that because it's 
not overly well regulated, the mm. sale of melatonin. So people can sell products and say that it's melatonin and it might not necessarily either be the best quality or um, it's not in a form that's able to cross our blood-brain barrier and therefore actually work. Um, but also sometimes people can feel really groggy and disgusting after taking mm. it. Um and again, I think it's important to remember what hormone imbalances you're working with here. And when I talk about hormones, um, one of the hormonal tests that I do really often in clinic is the Dutch test, which is a dried urine test um, to look at your hormone levels and how you're metabolizing them and making them and how everything is slotting in together. I have done countless Dutch tests with clients and I have only ever seen three clients come back with low melatonin levels. Mm. most of the time it's that high cortisol that's the most common issue and it's so interesting because yeah I agree with you Em that's so readily available and the first thing that is grabbed yeah really and I think ultimately it's so much easier to take a melatonin tablet than to sort out your high cortisol and change the way that you're living to be less stressful right yeah definitely (laughs) did you know fun fact that um meditators have more melatonin in their body yes yeah 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 and I'll explain some of the science about that too but yes yeah um yeah really important um so I want to talk about insomnia now because as you mentioned Mm. something that your mum struggled with and something that I think a lot of people struggle with but also something that I think not a lot of people fully understand um so when it comes to insomnia um it's kind of like an umbrella for three types of disordered sleeping ultimately and that's what insomnia is it's disordered sleeping so the first type is delayed sleep onset aka having difficulty falling asleep the second is freak, uh, frequent waking up during the night, so not being able to stay asleep, um, or waking up way too early in the morning, mm. um, so that you're not you've not finished that restorative sleep, and therefore you're feeling pretty average the next day from that. So they are the three types of insomnia. Now, when it comes to the causes of insomnia, there are a lot more, <laughs> mm. and some of them are, are, are a lot more obvious than others. So some of these, when I say them, it's going to be like, yeah, duh, obviously. Um, the first is very obvious, and that is a poor sleep environment. So either our bedroom has too much noise or too much light, um, or it's too hot or too cold. Now, What is really interesting here is that they say that the best temperature for sleep is around 18 to 22 degrees Celsius. Mm. So for those of us who live in Western Australia, (laughs) like Tara and I, Mm. um, yeah, it can definitely be a little bit warmer than that most nights, Mm. especially during the summer months. So yeah, making sure that we are sleeping somewhere that there's not too much night, uh, not too much light, not too much noise, and that it's not too hot or cold. Another really obvious reason for um, insomnia or disturbed sleep is um, stimulant overuse. Now, especially caffeine. Coffee, for example, has a half-life of four to six hours. So basically what this means is if you have a double shot of coffee, which equates to about 150 milligrams of caffeine, so if you have that double shot at 12 p.m., you are still going to have 75 milligrams, aka a single shot's worth in your system when it comes to 4 to 6 p.m. at night. Mm. Um, so basically what I'm saying here is that it can take 8 to 12 hours to fully clear caffeine out of your system from coffee. Mm. So really important that you are not overdoing it on the caffeine um, and that you are not drinking coffee too late as well. That's, uh, yeah, I really, I think it's quite an obvious one, but I want to explain 
why that's the case and why people say not to have coffee Mm. too late in the day because your body's not going to have time to process it properly. Um, There are some medications that can impact your sleep. So antidepressants are a really common one here. Um, Cold and flu tablets, if anyone takes those, I hope not. Um, They are going to impact your sleep. And also thyroxine as well. If you have a Mm. thyroid condition, that Mm. can also impact your sleep. Um, Another reason is hyperglycemia. Um, So too much blood sugar in the system. Um, Indigestion and food sensitivities, any kind of gut issue is going to impact our sleep. Um, If we're in pain, and again, that's quite an obvious one. If we're in pain, it does make it quite hard to sleep. Um, Hypothyroidism is a really common one um, thyroid-wise that can link to poor sleep. Um, Deficiencies, particularly magnesium and calcium. Magnesium is one of the most common deficiencies in the world, so it's not overly surprising that most of us have (laughs) suffered Mm. from poor sleep at some point. Um, Hormonal or neurotransmitter imbalances are also obviously going to play in. Um, Stress. So literally not feeling safe enough to sleep. Again, quite obvious in that sense. Um, Depression and anxiety also plays a role in our ability to sleep. And again, I think there are some really obvious reasons for that, but also some less obvious. And I'll talk a little bit more about that um, later in in this episode. Um, Also other nervous system conditions and also conditions involving neurotransmitter disturbance. So things like ADHD, et cetera. Um, restless leg syndrome is another really common issue for sleep as well. Um, sleep apnea and even uh, really heavy or bad snoring. So when that happens, basically you're not getting enough oxygen in um, during your sleep. So that sleep quality is going to be heavily impaired. Um, poor sleep hygiene. This is probably the biggest, uh, most common one, to be honest. And this is always, when I see a client struggling with sleep issues, this is always my first port of call. We need to make sure that high stress is covered. So we need to get that high cortisol level under control. Um, We need to make sure that my clients are not multitasking their bed use. Um, There's this age old saying that your bed should only be used for two things, Mm -hmm. um, sex and sleep. And that is it. Not for working, not for watching TV, not for listening to music or anything else. Um, Also napping in the late afternoons or getting too much deep sleep during the day is obviously going to impact our ability to um, sleep at night. And obviously then within that shift work makes sleep really difficult as well. So all of those high sleep hygiene habits are things that we need to be taking into account when we're looking at sleep. Um, I also wanted to talk about a couple of other slightly more woo-woo sides of um, sleep being an issue for people. The first um, that I want to talk about is Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, which I know we've spoken about lots and lots of times on the podcast and both of us love it so much. Um, Louise talks about insomnia being associated with um, fear, with guilt um, and with not trusting life and the process of life and that, you know, the universe is supporting us, et cetera, Mm. Um, which I think, again, makes sense. You know, if we're feeling fearful and feeling that sense of, um, you know, those lower vibration energy emotions, um, obviously that we know that plays a role in our nervous system health and we know that our nervous system needs to feel safe in order for us to get sleep. So Mm. it definitely makes sense. Um, But I also wanted to talk about the Chinese medicine clock. So TCM or traditional Chinese medicine um, has a clock, um, an organ clock. So 
in traditional Chinese medicine, um, they work off of the belief that we have uh, major meridians through the body, um, which are basically like energy flow channels. So in TCM, these 12 major meridians are placed neatly around a 24-hour clock. So each two-hour window is representing a different meridian. Um, now, a lot of my clients um, will tend to wake at certain times if they are waking during the night. And this is where I really like to utilize this traditional Chinese medicine organ clock because it usually gives us a lot of insight. Um, yes. <laughs> um, basically, each energy meridian, although it's an energy meridian, it is going to represent um, a particular body part. It's going to represent a particular emotion and it's going to uh, represent a particular element. So in traditional Chinese medicine, they work with elements such as wood, metal, etc. Um, if there is a blockage in an energy meridian, um, and as you spoke about recently, T, I guess the equivalent of traditional Chinese medicine meridians is chakras. Um, very similar theory um, that if there is a blockage in an energy meridian, we're going to know about it either physically or emotionally. Mm-hmm or most commonly both. Um, So yes, like I said, most of my clients tend to find that they're waking between two of these organ windows. The first one, as you guessed today, is the liver. So Mm. that's between 1 and 3 a.m. Now the liver is linked physically in traditional Chinese medicine to um, irregular periods and period health, to low iron, which is also something very, very common, um, to headaches and also to chronic fatigue or just long time lower energy levels um now emotionally the liver is linked to issues around anger and resentment so something that we're repressing and that we need to let go of someone that we need to forgive or something that we need to forgive or process and move on from Mm. um, is usually the most common there and usually when I mention this to my clients they're like Oh, yep. Okay. I Mm. I know what that is that I need to work on. Um, The other time frame that's quite common is that 3 to 5 a.m. window, which is our lung time. So our lung um, in traditional Chinese medicine is responsible, obviously, for uh, moving breath around the body, um, but also qi or our energy or our life force, our vitality around the body as well. Um, Lung also really important for immune system health. So emotionally um, the lung is associated with grief and with sorrow Mm -hmm. so again some kind of grief and we've spoken about grief on the podcast before when we did our death doula episode for example Um, grief can be yes obviously around losing a loved one um, but also it can be around um, grieving the death of something that we've been working on or Mm. um, our ego or Mm. any number of things ultimately. Um, Really being able to process that, to cope with it, to handle it, to deal with it because I think a lot of people, the um, instant kind of reaction with uh, grief is to kind of push it down, push it down, push it down, Mm. but to really feel it, feel into it, accept it, move through it. and also probably say goodbye to something that maybe we've we've not said goodbye to mm. properly, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so just kind of interesting slant there on mm. sleep and how, yeah, it's bigger than just the physical, ultimately. Yeah. So like you said, Em, like we're always getting these cues, like the body yeah. is always communicating, especially yeah. in these more ancient um 
yeah modalities yeah exactly yeah exactly totally yeah it's so interesting Mm. more ancient modalities tend to um yeah really support it more um all right so if you are not sleeping well (laughs) what do you do about it um I want to dive into the ways that I approach um naturopathically treating sleep and supporting sleep because as we know it's really important not enough of us are getting quality sleep and we need it so first of all as with any case in naturopathy whatever the issue is I want to identify and uncover and really address the underlying root cause or causes and typically with sleep as I mentioned there are lots of reasons that we can be having difficulty sleeping Mm. so addressing all of them is really important now I always like to start really simply here and like I said something that we really need to work on or I guess the two things when I say starting simply there's two things that I really want to work on straight away with my clients the first is a, a proper bedtime routine. And I think this is the biggest one. And mm. I think we are all guilty sometimes of not having a proper bedtime routine. And it's a challenge and routines and habits are so hard to create and to form and to stick to. But this is so important. You really need to intentionally wind down in order to prepare your body for rest. And I think traditionally modern day world doesn't really allow for that. Mm. But again, if we look at the traditional Chinese medicine clock, that organ clock, they really put a lot of emphasis on using the 7 to 9 p.m. window, that two hours should be really dedicated to winding down. Um, And then the 9 to 11 window is when we should be asleep ultimately. So that's might not necessarily work for you, but that's kind of an ideal time frame that we should be working towards. So when it comes to a really good bedtime routine, there are a few things that I always kind of talk to my clients about. And for each person, their bedtime routine is going to look a little bit differently. Like I said, the main objective here is to prepare your body for rest. So really intentionally winding down, like I said. The first thing I make sure my clients are doing is that they are finishing eating at least two to three hours before their bedtime. Um, This is so that we're not still trying to digest when we come to lay down. So even if we're laying down on the sofa or something before bed, ideally we really want that two to three hour window optimally, or at least at the very bare minimum one hour. So that we're able to digest before our body starts to think that we're switching off ultimately. Um, Having some kind of switch off or uh, wind down evening habit that you can incorporate or hobby that you can incorporate. So I love reading. Um, I've also been doing some sewing recently. I got like a few little embroidery kits. Cute. I know I feel like an eight-year-old, <laughs> but it's so cute. But I've even done like knitting before. Something like that where you can really um, bring mindfulness in mm. and something that's not stimulating but that's satisfying that's maybe a little bit repetitive like literally the embroidery is like Mm. the same stitch over and over and over and over Mm. again but it's so soothing Mm. and you know they're my kind of hobbies that I like doing to wind down for someone else that might look completely different they might think I'm absolutely nuts (laughs) but find the thing that is non-stimulating and that helps you to feel like you are switching off and winding down um hint hint it is not watching tv (laughs) Sorry to burst the bubble there and it's not scrolling on your phone. Yes. And I'm going to cover that a little bit more in a second and why that is not a good thing because even if you think it's not stimulating, it 110% is, I promise you. 
and I'm going to back it up with science as always. <laughs> um, having a nighttime ritual. So we did um, recently the um, inner beauty episode and I talked um, everyone through some nice routines, including a nice bedtime routine, evening routine um, or ritual, whatever your uh, nighttime ritual is, Again, something that is really nice and intentionally winding you down, switching you off. Um, so I really love like playing spa music or even um, I've been really into listening to brown noise while I'm getting ready for bed. So while I'm doing my skincare routine, while I'm brushing my teeth, etc., I'm listening to some kind of music um, to make that standard getting to bed skincare routine feel like a ritual. Mm. instead of just mundane eh, eh, eh. because if I don't think of it as a ritual instead I'm going through the to-do list in my head I'm starting to think about things that I should have said to people that day or what I need Mm. to do tomorrow that's not helping me wind down ultimately Mm. so really making an intentional ritual of some kind for you um, a hot shower before bed is a really nice one, really beautiful way of calming down the nervous system. Yeah, that is my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. good does it feel? Yeah. And actually I was talking to a friend recently about this, one of the girls that I work with. Um, she, and at the time I was like, hmm, not sure about that, but I, I think it actually does make some sense. Um, she said that she has been recently having her showers in the evening with the lights off. Oh, yes, I do that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have any, like, yeah, yeah, at night time. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I think, um, I guess the reason I've kind of hesitated doing that is because I live in an apartment, so it would literally be completely pitch black. Yeah, well, I have a red light now, so that's, (gasps) like, the only thing that I have on. Yeah, or I guess you could have a candle maybe if you wanted to kind of bring a candle would be. Yeah, Yeah. I don't trust myself with a candle, though. Okay. Um, each to their own, but yeah, um, a hot shower, really beautiful for calming down the nervous system. Yes. Cause in the morning I have a cold shower. So then, yeah. yeah then yeah, the it's evening it's out. just like, oh yeah, yes. we've worked our yes. way to a hot shower. I rave about cold showers, um, for people, but yes, please don't do it in the, in the evening. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> it will stimulate you. And yeah, we don't want that. It's, uh, it's amazing for the nervous system. I should say cold, cold water yes. and cold, um, exposure therapy is great for the nervous system, but, uh, we, probably don't want to be doing yeah, it. Yeah, not at night time. No. no. <laughs> um, gentle stretching or yoga is a really mm. beautiful thing to do in the evenings and, and in that bedtime routine. Um, particularly legs up the wall pose mm. is an incredible one. Um, there's a reason that all yoga classes traditionally end with an inversion or going upside down. Um, this is a really nice supported inversion and it's really simple and easy to do. Basically, you scoot your bum up against the wall, lay on your back with your legs up the wall as an name implies um Mm. you can even if it's more comfortable for you like literally lay down and have your calf muscles up on a chair um Mm. if that's more comfy and when you're doing legs up the wall pose you don't have to have your legs perfectly straight it doesn't have to look Mm. a certain way um it's just that inversion and legs up the wall is so beautifully restorative um if you've ever done a restorative yoga class before chances are you've probably done Mm. a supportive yeah legs up um, pose of some kind. Um, and the reason we do this, it's so nourishing for the adrenals. 
for the nervous system, but the adrenals. And we know the adrenals are making our stress hormones like cortisol. So this is a really important one and a really, really beneficial one. And even if it's just for two or three minutes and you just lay there with your hand on your belly and you breathe and you focus on your diaphragmatic breathing and breathing and meditation is the next step that I make sure my clients are doing at bedtime and whatever that looks like for you. If it is literally laying in bed before you go to sleep and doing a body scan and feeling through your body, consciously letting go and releasing muscles um, as you scan through your entire body, whether it's listening to a guided meditation, whether it's doing your Vedic meditation, chanting, whatever it is, um, and whatever meditation and breath work looks like for you. Um, But I will say, make sure that you please focus when you are doing your breathing on your exhale in this sense, because we want to be winding down and switching you into that um, rest and digest mode, into that parasympathetic nervous system mode not fight or flight. So particularly for people who are anxious, if they're getting too much breath in, it can kind of mimic what happens naturally when we go into panic or Mm. fight or flight mode. Um, So instead making sure that our exhale is as long, if not longer than Mm. our inhale basically is, is how we help to support that parasympathetic nervous system instead. Um, And then one of my favorite things to recommend to clients who are struggling to sleep and particularly to fall asleep because their mind is going a million miles an hour at nighttime, it's like suddenly you've shut off all other distractions and suddenly now your brain is like, okay, while you're here, amplified, I'm yeah. going to go make you go through every single thing that happened today and all of the things that you could have done differently, should have done differently, shouldn't have done, blah, 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 blah. Now is the time. <laughs> what I want you to do instead um, is get a notepad, get a pen, go out stationary shopping. If that's your vibe, I feel like for most people, most people are buying stationary, right? Like it's fun. Um, Go and get one that you're going to keep by your bed. And before you lay down in your bed at nighttime, dump your brain onto paper, literally brain dumping. So anything good or bad that happened to you that day, things that you're grateful for, things that you're trying to remember, things that you've got to do tomorrow on the weekend, next week, next month, next year, whatever it is that's floating around in your head, getting it out onto paper. And however that looks like for you, whether it looks like full paragraphs, whether it looks like dot points, whether it looks like squiggles on the page, just not carrying it in your head anymore and not writing it all down so that you can look at it and go, oh gosh, okay, I've got quite a lot on my plate at the minute. Mm. I need to start thinking and worrying about all of this. But instead to go, no, I'm, I'm dumping my brain out. I'm taking the load off this is all here. I can come back to it if and when I need to, but I don't need to be carrying it in my head right now Mm. because it's not supporting me sleeping and resting and and healing ultimately. Mm. So that I find really helpful. So they are just some ideas of things that you can incorporate into a bedtime routine. Like I said, to really help to um, intentionally wind your body down um, and really simply start on that sleep hygiene piece. The other key aspect is to really work on that circadian rhythm. So establishing a really consistent sleep schedule of some kind. So ideally in an ideal world for circadian rhythm health. And again, that circadian rhythm is that natural wake or sleep cycle. We all have it. It's inherently there. Um, We ideally need to be going to bed roughly the same time each night. And again, this is why things like shift work can become a problem for sleep and can contribute Mm. to insomnia. Um, because ideally that's how then our body starts to predict things. It becomes, you know, automatic for the body. We know that, okay, this is when I'm winding down and this is when I'm sleeping and the body kind of then naturally automatically takes that on. Um, The other really 
amazing pivotal thing for circadian rhythm health is actually something that you do in the mornings, not at nighttime, but it is amazing for sleep. Um, that is getting your sunlight exposure mm. in the first 30 minutes of waking. Yes. And I know I'm always on at you about this. I'm yes, on yes. all my clients about this. <laughs> it is so important. And the reason that it works so well is because it's stimulating the part of our brain, our hypothalamus, um, and it's literally helping to reset our body clock. Mm. So this is an amazing way to start every single day. Um, really incredible for sleep. Like I said, I know it's something that you're doing in the first 30 minutes of waking, like how on earth could it be helpful for sleeping and bedtime, but it is so, so incredibly helpful. Um, and really, really good. Um, even for things like seasonal affective disorder, um, Mm. or sad, which is, yeah, when we start to find that, you know, in winter, when we see less light, um, typically that, yeah, that's when we start to um, see altered mood and things like that. Yeah. And I don't think that, I think it's really important that you focus on that M because mm. um, one of my friends, he goes to work before the sun goes up and yeah. is at work until after it goes down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the effects on insomnia that was causing yeah. and it's something that you don't even think about. So I say to my clients as well, um, now that you've drummed that into me in the morning, yeah. <laughs> but I try and watch as many sunsets go down. Yeah. Like I'm lucky enough to like see them every yeah. night. So I just really feel that that is signaling yeah. to my body. Yeah. That's the first thing that yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's approaching. Yeah. Yeah. Light um, stimulus is so pivotal for our circadian rhythm health naturally say if we had no concept of time if we didn't live in the world that we do now and we go back to caveman days and like I said we've got no concept of time we don't have clocks we've got our only concept of time is when the sun is coming up and when it is going down and what we're doing at those times Mm. the only light we have is fire which is a really nice warm light so naturally in nature um We've got blue light, which is quite stimulating for Mm. us. It's really important. So uh, kind of a brighter, more blue style light, for example, first thing when we wake up and it's nice and light, getting that light, bright light in um, is really helpful for stimulating us. That is why technology devices use blue light typically because it helps us to be alert Mm. and focused and Mm. concentrating. And that's usually what we're doing when we're on devices, et cetera. Um, But again, even if we didn't have technology and that wasn't a thing, light would be helping us to be awake. And that's when we get things done during the day. When it swaps to that warm light, as you said, Tara, like when the sun is setting, that beautiful warm light is indicating to our body that it's time to start switching down, winding down, switching off. Um, And then when we've got no light, that's when we're sleeping. Mm. That's when we're maximizing our sleep time. Um, So this is where it comes in handy, obviously having a really dark bedroom at nighttime, like I mentioned, basic sleep hygiene perspective, Um, but also that we are avoiding screens. And, you know, we do live in a world where technology is here and it's amazing and does incredible things for us. Unfortunately, also does some not so amazing things for Mm. us, depending on what content and et cetera we're consuming. Um, But non-negotiable is no screens for at least 60 minutes before bed because otherwise we're being exposed to this kind of warm light and our body is naturally wanting to start winding down and switching off. But then we've got this blue light telling us to do the exact opposite. Mm. And how confusing for our brain is that? Yeah. Yeah. So really important that 
for your circadian rhythm, but just for generally that you are limiting your light stimuli in the evenings, um, but maximizing it in the day, maximizing it on waking so that it, you can wake mm. up and feel ready to go. Mm. Um, and then the other really important for, uh, thing for circadian rhythm, again, because we want more stimulation in the day when we were awake and needing to get things done is to exercise during the day. Oh, so yes. Either in the morning, yeah, yeah. either in the morning or the early afternoons, if possible, um, is going to be really helpful for our circadian rhythm to function again, because daytime is when we go, go, go. And nighttime is when we stop. Now, I understand that for everyone that might not be possible. And to be honest, exercise is so important for um, your nervous system and your sleep in so many other ways. So get your regular exercise in. If you have control over it, the mornings or early afternoons are going to be the best times from the perspective of your circadian rhythm health. But again, I'd rather you be exercising than not at all. Mm. Um, And then finally, when I'm talking about identifying the root cause for sleep issues, yes, your bedtime routine, yes, your circadian rhythm. Once we've covered those things, if sleep is still an issue, then we need to look at other causes. So what else is going on in the body? Is there some kind of underlying health issue that we need to take care of or address? Is there a deficiency or are there multiple deficiencies at play? How can we support that? And like I said, in naturopathy, that's really what the job is. So work on your bedtime routine, work on your circadian rhythm health. If you're still struggling, that's when you kind of reach out for help and support. And there are so many other tools um, in the toolbox there to really utilize when it comes to sleep. So like I said, that first step, identifying and addressing your underlying causes for sleep being an issue in the first place. How can we forget the nervous system? (laughs) We need to regulate and support our nervous system in order for us to be able to sleep. So The one big thing here is working on the safety piece and we've spoken about safety and feeling safe and that's how our nervous system is going to be able to best work. Um, Safety and sleep really do go hand in hand because ultimately if our sympathetic nervous system perceives that we are in any way, shape or form slightly not safe, we're not going to be able to sleep properly because our body thinks it needs to be in survival mode to save us. Survival mode does not look like going to sleep for seven to nine hours (laughs) or getting seven to nine hours of deep quality sleep. Like Mm. that's, it does not make sense. Um, So really breaking it down as simply as that, I think is a nice reminder of the importance of working on safety and supporting that nervous system. Um, Particularly for people who might've had um, break-ins previously, or for some reason have another kind of fear around going to sleep or going to bed or being in bed or not having lights on, etc. So again, kind of working on that. Um, and even if it's, um, and, and I think this is sometimes the problem, those fears can maybe not be in the forefront of our mind. It might not be fully conscious that we are even scared of that break-in mm. that we had when we were 10 or 11. Mm. Um, so something like kinesiology, for example, um, mm. you know, we've spoken with Rach, our favorite kinesiologist on the podcast before. Um, yeah, really being able to kind of bring those to the surface and really deal with and process those things so that we are able to go to bed feeling safe because it's so important. Yeah. And even those thoughts around, um, not being able to go to sleep and getting in that nervous system state and getting fearful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can be stressed about not being able to sleep. Yes. Like knowing that, you know, I need these 
seven yeah. hours. Yeah. So I've got a really important day tomorrow. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah getting the nervous system worked up like that. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And again, another really important reason to allow that time frame at nighttime to wind down and switch off so that you're not having those thoughts and also so that you know what time you need to be up in the morning yeah most of us know what time we have to be up in the in the next morning or we can work it out okay so then if I need seven to nine hours of quality sleep this is what time I need to be going to bed so this is what time I need to start winding down to get all of those things done yeah and yeah there's going to be days and times where it's not possible but as you said not trying to not add to the stress picture Mm. by building up panic and pressure and expectation around that, just Mm. really focusing on you switching off for that deep sleep and allowing our nervous system to allow us to get that deep sleep because Mm. you'd rather have five to six hours of really quality, deep restorative sleep than nine hours of really awful sleep. Mm. Ultimately, like one, one of them is going to be way more beneficial. Now, When it comes to working on the nervous system and supporting the nervous system, obviously we need to get on top of stress and we need to balance our cortisol. We really need to quieten down that sympathetic nervous system, that fight, flight, freeze mode, and we need to instead really support our our parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest mode more. Now, to help us do that, we also need to support our melatonin production. As I said, melatonin is that sleep hormone Now, to be able to support melatonin, we need to make sure that we're supporting all of our neurotransmitters, which are helping us to make melatonin in the first place, like I said, Um, but also by sorting out our sleep patterns. Ultimately, those are the two key ways that we support our melatonin production. We can also eat foods that have been linked to higher melatonin levels. But as I said earlier, when when I was talking about melatonin supplementation, naturally, uh, our foods are not necessarily going to increase our melatonin levels but what they can do instead and and the reason they don't work like that very basically is that they can't pass the blood-brain barrier so that melatonin is therefore kind of useless it's not having that impact what we instead need to be doing is like I said supporting those other neurotransmitters and looking after our sleep patterns and there are some foods that are going to um, really help especially if they're eaten in the evening to long story short, improve our melatonin production, if that kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, So tart cherry juice is Mm. amazing here for melatonin. Now, obviously with any juice, (laughs) we need to go quality over quantity and not be drinking concentrate, et cetera. We Mm. want like proper tart cherry juice and it is, as the name implies, quite tart, but it is actually quite nice. And um, a lot of uh, naturopathic sleep supplements actually do contain tart cherry juice extract mm. because it scientifically helps. Um, pistachios are another really nice option here. Mm. So your goji berries, um, your oats, your bananas, oily fish, your rice, your mushrooms um, are all really nice ways of kind of boosting up melatonin, like I said, in the long run. Mm. Um, when it comes to nervous system... <laughs> Yoga and meditation, yoga, meditation, yoga, meditation, yoga, meditation. Also your massage, your breath work, your acupuncture, all of those things that are really supportive, nourishing for our nervous system. And we've talked about this until the cows come home. So I'm not even going to go any further into why those are helpful, but it's pretty obvious. Mm. (laughs) Surely by now we've drilled it into you enough times. Um, 
like I said, regular exercise. And really the key here is making sure that for at least 20 minutes per day, we are getting our heart rate up. Um, so some kind of uh, cardio exercise, whether that is walking, jogging, swimming, dancing, cycling, running, roller skating, whatever it is that's up your alley, ideally at least 20 minutes where you're getting your heart rate up. And walks are amazing. Like everyone loves a hot girl walk do it, but you need to be getting at least 20 minutes where your heart rate is up. And what that looks like when you are walking is, you know, when you're walking with a friend and you almost can't um, keep the conversation up, that's how you know you've elevated your heart rate enough. So we need to be doing that for at least 20 minutes a day. But the key here is ideally we don't want to be doing it closer to bed um, than two hours. Mm. We need that separation time. Like I said, because ultimately go, go, go is quite stimulating. Um, Instead, we want to support that circadian rhythm health. So like I said, morning or early afternoon is best, but worst case scenario is least um, as long as you're getting it out the way, at least that two hours before bed, it's going to be good. Good for you. Um, Also, when it comes to supporting our nervous system, we really need to, like I spoke about way back at the beginning of this episode, those um, excitatory neurotransmitters that are, like I said, helping us to have energy um, and, you know, as the name implies, exciting that nervous system, getting it going. Um, what we want to do is be really calming those down to help us to be able to get to sleep, to help our body wind down and prepare for rest and for us to produce melatonin as well, ultimately. Now, the key way that we can do this is by supporting our GABA. Now that GABA is really key when it comes to shifting the seesaw from excitatory to inhibitory instead. We want to drop that excitatory um, excitatory and increase that inhibitory neurotransmitter activity and GABA is key. Which leads me into my um, third key when it comes to looking after sleep and treating sleep conditions um, and disturbed sleep like insomnia. Um, And this is, yeah, enhancing those inhibitory neurotransmitters because like I said, this is key to helping us to prepare for rest and helping us to produce melatonin, that sleep hormone. Like I said, GABA is really important here. Now, the way that we increase our GABA is, drum roll please, yoga and meditation. (laughs) Um, Amazing for improving our GABA. And as you said, T, earlier, like, yeah, meditators have been found to have higher levels of melatonin. It's because Mm. of the GABA that this helps us Mm. produce. Mm. Um, So yes, yoga and meditation more frequently, please. And again, whatever that looks like for you. Um, Regular exercise is also really key when it comes to producing GABA. We also really want to look after our gut. And again, this is why naturopathy and holistic medicine generally are so helpful for something like sleep, because not only are we looking at sleep, we're also looking at all of the rest of your body, what's going on inside the body, what's going on outside of the body, what's going on emotionally, mentally, spiritually, Mm. environmentally, all of the good things. Um, And the gut is so key when it comes to sleep, particularly the microbiome, um, that basically the the bacteria in our gut that's what our microbiome is um research shows that GABA can also be synthesized or made from gut bacteria ultimately so when we're wanting to increase our GABA but when we're wanting to look after everything especially nervous system wise we know gut is our second brain so we want to be looking after gut bacteria definitely Mm. there are some really incredible herbs that um, have been shown to help increase um, GABA or contain GABA. 
The first one is Kava. Um, mm. I love Kava for sleep. Um, when I'm using sleep formulas with my clients, um, I love herbal medicine and Kava is amazing here. So nice for the nervous system um, because GABA does so many things for our nervous system, not just sleep, but it's really anti-anxiety as well. Um, with Thania or Ashwagandha, mm-hmm. um, I feel like Ashwagandha is having a real moment social media wise, actually. Yes. Have you noticed that? It is. And the thing that I've been like a little bit vocal about is that it's such a hard, it's one of the hardest herbs to digest. Mm -hmm. So it's the way that you take it. So if you were going to take this for sleep, I would say with milk, because you really need some fats to like help Help absorb it. Otherwise, yeah, it is, um, can really, um, be hard for the digestion. Yeah. 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 And I guess my argument here is like quality. Yeah. Yeah. Really plays in. So as a qualified natural, I only work with practitioner only supplements. So I know that the extract of withania that's being used or ashwagandha being used um, is enough to help with health and that it's bioavailable and that it's basically usable by the body yes ultimately. and the the other great way to use um ashwagandha is actually in an oil and mm. putting that on your feet before bed Ooh, like nice. that is so good because yeah then it goes obviously it's easy to absorb straight into yeah. the skin the skin get into your system so quickly yeah nice. um and so if you have any digestion problems then you're not going it's to really break down that yeah. ashwagandha so yeah. yeah having it on the skin is a really good way yeah yeah um basically what we're saying is don't bother wasting your money on ashwagandha gummies yes I would say that. I think we could do a whole episode on (laughs) don't take shitty quality supplements. Don't self-prescribe, please. Thank you. (laughs) Rant over. Um, Back to my favorite herbs for sleep. Passion flower is amazing for GABA. It's also amazing for anxiety. Like I said, GABA and anxiety also go hand in hand. Passion flower has been shown to be as effective for anxiety as anti-anxiety medication, just without the side effects. Um, Valerian for sleep, Mm. but amazing for GABA again, generally. And so is lemon balm and talking about tummy. um, Lemon balm is beautiful for the gut as well. It's Mm. really nice for, especially like nervous tummies because we know that gut brain connection and yeah, lemon balm, I love for that. Um, and then for GABA, the final thing is that we need really um, supportive cofactors as well. So cofactors are basically like um, helping us to absorb it, helping us to use it better, helping us to make it better, all of the good things. Um, cofactors for GABA are, um, include vitamin B6. B6 and GABA are really hand in hand for me. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about basics as well. Um, serotonin. We need serotonin. Um, as I said, that inhibitory neurotransmitter serotonin is is one of the big ones here. Ways that we increase our serotonin. Now, we don't, again, it's hard to get serotonin from diet, but what we can do is get tryptophan from our diet. Tryptophan is an amino acid, um, which is later converted to serotonin. So it's a precursor to serotonin. Um, now we get all of our amino acids are from protein essentially. Mm. So getting tryptophan in basically looks like eating more high protein foods. Um, and when I'm saying protein, we want a combination 
depending on what you're eating and what you feel comfortable eating and what your personal preferences are, you do need enough protein though. And again, I could talk on about protein on another podcast until the cows come home, but high protein foods, we want variety there so that we're getting that variety of amino acids. Um, but lots of high protein foods are going to contain tryptophan, um, that amino acid. And what we want with um, high protein foods, particularly for the tryptophan and ultimately for the serotonin, is to combine that high protein food with a complex carb. Um, What this does is helps amino acids like tryptophan to cross that blood brain barrier. And like I said, that's the only way that we're going to get into the brain to actually Mm. make a difference. Um, Again, regular exercise and again particularly getting the heart rate up really important for serotonin um massage and serotonin really big um link there that's been really well researched um sunshine everyone feels good from sunshine we know serotonin is a really good feel good um chemical Mm. and yeah um There's even been studies that show that increasing our serotonin can literally be as simple as thinking about something that makes us happy, Mm. even if that is visualization. Mm. So again, like a guided meditation that guides us through a visualization, Mm. amazing for sleep because Mm. it's literally helping to increase our serotonin and we need that serotonin to be able to make melatonin and actually get to sleep Mm. and stay asleep. Um, glycine is another amino acid now this is going to help to stimulate serotonin so again another precursor and again like with our other amino acids including tryptophan we want high protein foods and we want that nice variety of both plant and animal based sources of protein now other ways that we can help to enhance our inhibitory neurotransmitters and things that I work with really commonly as a naturopath um, magnesium magnesium is incredible for um, inhibiting our excitatory neurotransmitters so calming those down um, and particularly helpful for modulating glutamate which i've spoken about gaba glutamate is like um the other i guess like the the opposite ultimately to gaba so glutamate working as an excitatory and gaba working as an inhibitory Um, now i again, as a practitioner, will only work with practitioner-only products, so extremely high dosage um, and extremely high quality and therefore extremely good bioavailability. So it's actually working and you're not just paying for ultimately expensive poo or whey, which with shitty quality supplements, again, don't bother. Um, now, there are a few forms in particular when it comes to magnesium. So magnesium comes in lots of different forms. Um, it's a mineral, comes in lots of forms. The first that I love using for sleep and for looking after neurotransmitter health generally is magnesium glycinate. Now, I talked before about glycine, that amino acid. Magnesium glycinate is literally magnesium and glycine together. Um, Incredible for the nervous system. The other form of magnesium that I love is threonate. Um, This magnesium threonate, um, really popular for neurological support, so for that brain health support, um, and within that obviously helping to support sleep but also mood as well Um, and then finally magnesium citrate which is actually one of my favorite forms um, and I tend to use a lot in clinic Um, magnesium citrate is one of the best hands down for absorption um, and is really great therefore for magnesium deficiency now if you are going to work with a really good quality therapeutic dose magnesium supplement go for your life um, best if you get that like I said um, prescribed by a proper health professional who can prescribe it to you 
Otherwise, handy little hack, again, instead of going down the gummy route, <laughs> um, apply magnesium directly to the skin. It's so mm. well absorbed by the skin. Um, so whether you use a magnesium spray or a magnesium oil or you use magnesium bath salts or Epsom salt baths, um, really, really beautiful ways of getting magnesium in, again, without going down the gummy route. <laughs> yeah, I just I just love having magnesium bars. Like yes. that's my go-to. Oh, so nice. And, yeah. Have you noticed that you sleep really well? Oh, after? yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Magnesium is so important for the whole nervous system. Yeah. I've yeah. got my nan onto this and oh, she good. is like, this is the best thing yeah. that's ever happened to me. Yeah. It's a game changer. <laughs> like it's a really nice way to get magnesium in again. Yeah. Just soaking yeah. her feet. Yeah. 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 And it's a beautiful, and what a beautiful part of a nighttime routine. Yeah. Like a yeah. hot shower. Or, yeah. I yeah. should have said a hot bath as well. Beautiful. Unfortunately, I'm very salty about the fact that I'm salty. <laughs> <laughs> pun intended um accidental pun there um I love baths yeah I love baths so of much. course I miss you having, do I know it's literally in my name um yeah I don't have a bath though so I'm very jealous manifestation yeah. coming through um zinc I love zinc um as a skin naturopath I work with zinc a lot but like magnesium zinc actually helps to modulate our glutamate so again the opposite that mirror to our GABA um and it also helps us to support those inhibitory neurotransmitter terminals so just making them more effective ultimately um it also helps us with our conversion from serotonin uh, sorry from tryptophan into serotonin and then serotonin into melatonin um so zinc really important for those pathways more recent um, research also also shows that really good levels of um, zinc in the blood helps to reduce the amount of time that it takes to fall asleep, but also improve our sleep length and our sleep quality. Um, so that's really exciting research and not overly surprising either. Um, but it also supports that deep sleep. Um, I was talking about before those three stages of non-REM mm. sleep and that deep one, which is where, like I said, we do our healing and our repair and resetting and restoration. That's what we want. And that's what zinc can really help us with. Um, B vitamins. B6 and B2 are key cofactors for us being able to convert serotonin into melatonin. Um, B6 has also been linked with us being able to have a greater ability to recall our dreams, to remember our dreams. And the more dream recall we have, the more likely it is that we're achieving that really good quality REM sleep. Mm. Because like I said, when we're in REM, that's when we dream. Um, B6 also... I love the combination of zinc, B6 and magnesium um, for general neurotransmitter health. And like I said, we need neurotransmitters not only to be able to sleep, but to be able to function as humans and be able to get the brain to coordinate what the rest of the body is doing ultimately. So those three work really nicely together and really support each other as well. Um, however, I do want to mention that with vitamin B6, interestingly, um, if you are having too much, um, so if you're self-prescribing or you've been on it for too long or um, there's just too much in the system, what that can actually do is swing the other way mm. and then actually cause insomnia, mm. interestingly. So it's amazing for good quality sleep unless we've got too much of it. Yeah, it's interesting because that's quite stimulating to me. Mm. Um, yeah, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Mm. And again, this is why it's so important to work 
uh, when you're taking anything with someone who can give you that guidance mm. because the form of B6 is going to matter. The amount of B6 that you're getting is going to matter too. Um, so I like working with activated vitamin B6. But again, yeah, it's it's really quality and dose dependent mm. again. And um, yeah, B6 can be really helpful. But yes, make sure that you've got that guidance there to make sure that it doesn't swing the other way for you. Mm. Um B12. Now, vitamin B12 is one of my favorites for nervous system generally, but it's a little bit harder to scientifically um, explain. Like research has kind of struggled a little bit to find or explain the connection, I I should say, because they can definitely see the connection. There is evidence with low B12 being associated with insomnia and good levels of B12 being associated with with, um, better circadian rhythm health they're just struggling to find the science on why that is the case. And I wish I could give that, but I can't, Mm -hmm. but it definitely has been shown um, to help with sleep. Like I said. Um, And then finally we want to balance our other hormones and our blood sugars. So I find especially in my clients who are waking up through the night um, that sometime, well, actually, yeah, we need to consider your blood sugar and what your blood sugar is doing. So like I said earlier, if you've got too much blood sugar, um, that's going to impact your ability to sleep. So it's really important um, to make sure that you're not having having any sugary nighttime sweets. And I know that, again, mm. modern day world society kind of says dessert after dinner. You know, mm. that's what we want to do. Well, mm, we need to kind of rethink the way that we're having a dessert or an evening snack. So if you're going to absolutely go for it, but avoid the really high sugar, particularly processed sugar, nighttime sweets, and instead opt for a really small um, and key being really small because we want it to be easily digestible because, like I said, we don't want to be eating too close to sleep. Um, A high-protein and high-fat snack at nighttime is going to be really, really helpful for balancing your blood sugars and therefore allowing you to sleep better. So a couple of spoonfuls of like chia seed pudding, um, I say to my clients, or even like an almond nut butter or something like that, even a nice um, spoonful of that before you go to sleep is going to be really high in protein, really high in fat, really low Mm. in sugars um, to allow you to have better blood sugars and better hormonal balance to be able to get that really quality sleep. Um, There are lots of really beautiful sedative herbs, and I did mention some of them before, um, like valerian, passionflower, lemon balm. Um, Chamomile, lavender are the really nice sedative herbs that I like to use. Um, Californian poppy is another one. Um, All of these are beautiful. And like I said, they're sedative, so they're really helping to bring on sleep and maintain sleep. However, it is best that they are taken about 60 minutes before bed to have that effect. And having a really nice sleep tea can be a really beautiful way to access herbs without going through and seeing a naturopath. If you want to start bringing some mm. sleep herbs in, um, a really nice, good quality sleep and tea. And making that part of the routine. Absolutely. And like signaling to your body and yeah. your brain that this is... This is what I'm doing yeah. this for. This is my intent. And yeah, having those sedative herbs to really help to support that. Mm. Yeah, beautiful um, addition to a ritual for nighttime. Absolutely. Um, the very last thing that I want to say around sleep, I would really love to finish with a Louise Hay affirmation for sleep and I really love this one and I think it just summarizes things perfectly I lovingly release the day and slip into peaceful sleep knowing tomorrow will take care of itself Mm. yeah I love that yeah so there you have it that's the science behind yeah that was massive (laughs) um it was massive and it just 
you know what, it's been on the top of my mind, you know, just seeing the struggle that I mentioned that my mum went through Mm. and she unfortunately was um, on a pharmaceutical sleeping tablets, like taking like a very small dose. Um, But I just saw that that was um, like a really hard cycle to get off. Yes, yes, absolutely. And knowing if you, you know, if you're struggling with your sleep and you're listening to this, like knowing that there is, um, you know, these alternative yeah. herbs and bodywork treatments, etc., mm-hmm. that can really help you yeah. and not thinking that this is yeah. like a life sentence and yes. that there's no other options yes. because I've seen how debilitating that can be and just how, terrible that medication can affect you as well uh so yeah i really know that this episode is going to be really powerful em so thank you for all your knowledge for letting me share it and i hope i didn't overwhelm anyone with the science but i think it is important to again have that awareness about what's happening naturally in your body and how we can support it and work with our body and with Mm. the science of what's happening and why um to really yeah get that on side and again mm. you know like yes with anything health related like the appeal of a magic tablet is so yeah. strong but again you get I, so desperate absolutely and the yeah. other issue with sleep if you're having bad sleep it can also become habit yes like i said with that circadian rhythm that sleep schedule if you're consistently waking at this time it does become habit Mm. and breaking that habit is really important. And that's where I love to use my sleep herbs, but Mm. really more often than not, I'm using them very short term to get someone out of the habit. Yes. And I think that's important to um, say as well. Like we say in Ayurveda as well, like this is not a lifetime herb. This is like a for now herb to like, yeah, support you. you out of the habit, support you get on that journey a little bit faster, Mm. but I cannot stress this enough when it comes to sleep, if you only remember two things from this whole podcast episode, the two things that you are going to get the most benefit from long-term is not the herbs, believe it or not. And I'm I'm a herbal medicine practitioner. I bloody love herbs. But what is ultimately going to help you the most is having a good bedtime routine and managing your circadian rhythm health. Mm. And they are the two things that people do not want to do and do not think of. I'm telling you now they need to be the first. And that is free. It's free. (laughs) It's easy. You can do it tonight. (laughs) Please do it. You will thank me in the long run. I promise. Yes. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and a review. We love hearing from you. Yes. Please make sure that you join us um, over on Instagram. We are at Witches Being Witches um, and our Facebook coven, the WBW coven, our, our free Facebook community group. We'd love to see you in there if you're not already. Um, and we'd love to hear from you this week about sleep and your bedtime routine and which of the bedtime routine habits or your own that um, you love that you swear by exactly we'd love to know which little habit or ritual or routine item has Mm. been the biggest game changer for you see you next time fellow witch thanks for listening to witches being witches remember happiness is the new rich inner peace is the new success health is the new wealth 
and kindness is a new cool. We'll see you next episode.